Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Lots of schools really getting on board with I Am Mindful and recognising a need because I think they're seeing this through this lockdown. Um, but getting getting the parents on board is just going to be like the next step because it's all well and good for the schools to be advocating for this, but to really empower the individual, especially when, you know, like think back to when you were that age, mm. you know, and even now as an adult, sometimes we just can't help ourselves and we need the people around us to kind of help push us in the right direction. So having that, you know, that full support um, is important coming from both you know, educators and, and families. Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. We are proudly sponsored by Neon Treehouse, the best digital agency on the planet Earth. To learn more, just head to neontreehouse.com or hit the link in our show notes. Just a quick recommendation that if you are a LinkedIn user, I welcome you to connect with me by searching for Mike Davis and also following Humans of Purpose to get the fastest and best access to all our social updates. Today, I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Steph Silver. Steph is the founder of I Am Mindful. I Am Mindful, amongst other things, create and distribute the I Am Mindful box, which supports people to discover how to cope with tough times in a healthy, fun and evidence-based way. They also run a terrific I Am Mindful school program, which empowers young people to be their own mental health heroes. I'm a big fan of Steph's evidence-based approach to product and solution design, her passion to help people with mental health issues, and her unique approach to bundling useful products and interventions that together can make a big difference. In this episode, we talk about Steph's journey into I Am Mindful, the shadow mental health pandemic we've experienced during COVID-19 and lockdown, working with people with lived experience, and Steph's exciting product innovation and research journey. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Steph as much as I did. I'm so thrilled to be here with Stephanie Silva. We've been trying to make this podcast happen for a while. There have been numerous lockdowns in the way of us getting started, but we are here together on Zoom now. Welcome to the podcast, Steph. Yay, I'm so excited. Excited, nervous. <laughs> yeah. it's mainly nervous or mainly excited? Mix of both. Excited. Okay. Many excited. <laughs> it's it's that J performance curve, so that, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, as we normally do in Humans of Purpose, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey into the space and how you found yourself as the founder of I Am Mindful. Sure. Um, well, it's been quite a journey. I've been pretty hell-bent on creating some version of what I Am Mindful now is since I was honestly 20. So I'm 28 now. So it's been eight years of just being pretty hell bent on youth mental health and finding a way to create something um, in this landscape to help other people. And I suppose that that passion has come from a personal place of being, you know, someone through um, all my high school years who was, you know, such a perfectionist and always really struggled with anxiety and, um, social anxiety and a range of other different things and that kind of just grew as I kind of got into my early 20s and mid-20s and I started to learn all of these awesome strategies because I'm obsessed with psychology um so whether you know studying it um and like having lived experience and yeah I just wanted to try and create a way to help people learn ways to really flourish and thrive 
and be their own mental health heroes, which is, yeah, kind of what I Am Mindful is about now, but it's it's gone through several iterations over the years for sure. And so tell me about the uh, the rocky road or the straight path from <laughs> coming up with the concept um, for I Am Mindful to the, the first prototype or the beginnings. <laughs> okay, well, actually the beginning, it was called Too Grateful. And that was when I was living in America. I got an awesome internship in an advertising agency. I used to work in advertising and strategy and data analytics. And I'd just gone through a breakup and I was like really pining over this guy. I thought he was the one, but he he wasn't at all. But at the time, you know, you do. And um, I wasn't really so, you know, much appreciating everything that was in front of me in New York and it was my mum who actually introduced me to gratitude um, which is part of positive psychology Um, and gratitude is kind of all about noticing the little good things that happen in our day um, and how that helps override um, our brain's natural tendency to focus on what's wrong and that has really amazing effects of simply just noticing those little things that you know happen to you um, that people do for you. And I started to, yeah, keep a journal and then too grateful was me um, asking random people in New York city um, what was the best part about their day when I wasn't in my internship. I just wanted to focus on what was good and I met really interesting people. And then I started um, kind of traveling around the world to Fiji in my spare time um, to different random places and asking people, well, what are they grateful for? And then that led me to studying positive psychology, um, which I did um, while I was doing my master's in business and entrepreneurship. So I started that master's program um, with, I guess, the, the hope of turning too grateful into something that could help people. But I suppose starting my master's took me um, and and really studying entrepreneurship, it took me on like a different path to um, figuring out what was the problem that I was actually trying to solve um, and creating something, a solution that really um, fits that that problem and helps people. So that was what I, I didn't really think I got at the time, but I got that out of my master's program. You just um, talked some strategy consulting magic there. What is the problem that we're trying to solve? We use that all the time as a model for um, building strategic plans and whatnot. So really love that you used that. I'm curious, like when you ask people um, what are they most grateful for or what was the best part of their day, what kind of things are you hearing? Well, this is a long time ago. We're talking about like (laughs) I don't even know yet, seven years ago now. Uh, But, yeah, it's just little things I think you know someone smiled at them on the subway New York's kind of a bit of a unfriendly place um sometimes especially on the subways people just stare at the floor there's just a little thing someone smiling at them a stranger in the street or um I know for me some things that I noticed I was really grateful for people I don't know like leaving different parking spots um and and you have to buy a ticket and then I'd, I'd randomly just get this happen to me a lot but someone would they'd see me kind of like looking to go into their spot and they'd come out and say look I've got some extra time on my ticket do you want do you want this Um, and it's just like noticing those little things that humans are actually really good and kind and we just need to take time to see that Um, yeah 
That's so well said. That actually happened to me this year and my mind was blown. It was like the bed. It made an average day into an amazing day. I was pulling up near my work car park and somebody uh, pulled out a, a, a spare, you know, like parking for the rest of the day and no reason to do that. And it's such a small thing, but it was a real game changer. Yeah, it is such a game changer. <laughs> and, and I think like it's interesting. I mean, you asking people around what they're grateful for and what was the best part of their day, that must be the starting point for a lot of people who decide to become positive psychologists or who who decide to work in the space, like that that interest in what makes people happy and what makes people thrive and, you know, what makes people uh, live their best life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at the time, positive psychology was like unheard of. No one really knew what it was and I just started googling on the internet like gratitude because I'm a nerd like a research nerd it's like oh this is a science gratitude is like there's more to it than gratitude you know there's it's a study of human well-being and flourishing and there's so many different interventions that can be explored um yeah so how do you okay before we get onto that I want to know one thing you talk about in your branding is being our own mental health heroes. What do you mean when you say that? I mean, I think I have good like understanding of what that means, but I'm curious what your interpretation and meaning is behind that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that can tie into that last comment that you made around like what is the problem that we're solving here? So I might just like answer that as a two-part question. Sure. Um, so the problem that we're solving, I did obviously tons of research, both like ethnographic through my own personal journey of apprenticing with the problem, um, like hundreds of hours of both like qualitative and qualitative research, talking to hundreds of people um, and interviewing them. Um, and I found through that research that like we really don't have a specific formula for how we cope with tough times. It's kind of just something that we're not taught. Um, we just wing it um, in the moment and just pick up strategies over time that just work for us and we just do them innately. But there's no real method to it. There's no real rigor or science. And that's what I guess I Am Mindful hopes to do, tying into be your own health, mental health hero. Like we want to encourage people to, you know, find a way to to know that there are so many different science-based coping strategies out there that can help you and that can be the difference between somebody, you know, self-harming or committing suicide that can help you regulate your emotions and manage your distress and, and you can you can be that hero for yourself um, or if you can't in those moments, you know, at least know that there are people around you who have access to the different coping strategies that really do work for you. So that's that's really the point of the project, um, yeah. When you're creating a box, obviously it's a small physical size to some degree, so you have to choose which things you're going to put in the box. Therefore, you've got to make some tough decisions about you must have like a list of um, hundreds of different evidence-based interventions for mental health. So how, what's the process like between deciding what are the five most important things to go into an I Am Mindful box? Yeah, of course. Well, I think the thing is for everybody is that um, – you know, a lot of a lot of the tools in the box help people connect with their senses, which helps them to ground into the present moment. So usually when suffering occurs, it's because we are thinking about the future or the past or we're making judgments on the present. Um, so these sensory items help bring us into the now. Um, deciding on what to put on the box into the box. Well, obviously some items are gonna, you know, work better for other people. Um and less fathers. It's kind of a trial and error thing, but we're trying to point people in the right direction. The box was curated as is. The um, 
the products that are here through all of that research that was done. So that's with people in mental health hospitals, the people who are struggling like the most acutely, who do a lot of this sensory modulation, distress tolerance type work um, in their programs. So, so interviewing them, talking to them, as well as, you know, having the gen, I guess, uh, a, a beachhead market um, of school kids, specifically females, um, trialing a bunch of different things and seeing what works best for them. But that's that's honestly been a process of of years of sampling and and gathering that research. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many. Um, yeah, we yeah we've collected a lot of samples over the years, and my partner just loves sensory stuff now. And he, you would never pick him as someone to enjoy that. He's like a like as manly as it comes <laughs> um yeah that's awesome and so how do you i mean with what's did that, in the, did that answer that question yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no you, you nailed the question i'm okay. just wondering like in terms of the research skills and the data and analysis are they all skills that you had um before or did you have to learn a whole lot about like methodology research or is this done with partners yeah, it's done with partners. So we, we've partnered with um, the Melbourne Clinic, which is a psychiatric hospital. It's a health scope hospital. And um, we've been working with them all year with the Young Adults Emotion Management Program. So that's for, for people. And the, the specific purpose of that program is to teach people how to regulate their emotions and manage their distress in a healthy way that helps them move towards their values and the people that they want to be and their long-term goals. Um, so, yeah, we so, you know, I work alongside um researchers, occupational therapists, psychiatric nurses, psychologists, just some awesome people who I'm super thankful to have in my life um, personally and professionally. And, yeah, we actually had ethics approval um, in June. So the research we've gathered from the beginning of the year, obviously we can't include in this study, but it's all been so positive with young people saying they get a free box in this this workshop that like we all like I also give for free um it's a monthly program so yeah young people under 25 who admitted um hear about I am mindful we give them a free box and they use that with their psychologists um while they're in the hospital um and they get to keep the box when they're discharged to obviously um help with their ability to self-soothe and um yeah, manage those those tough urges. But yeah, we, we collect feedback from them as well um, on what items um, are most helpful. And yeah, we're gathering all of that now. But yeah. And are, you, are you involved with um, University of Melbourne as well? Yeah. Um, so the research is all done through, as in, they have a professorial unit um, at the Melbourne Clinic. So that's done through the University of Melbourne um but also I've finished my master's at the University of Melbourne so this project has come out of my master's degree there and is supported by them I guess through doing that this project yeah the all of the academic um staff who helped with there's so many people that have been involved to help this project to get to where it is and I'm, I'm seriously it couldn't be growing this fast and helping as many people as it is without all of those people who have been involved and been supportive of me, I think mostly um, in taking my time that I need to and, yeah, managing my own mental health. And, like, um, for yourself, I mean, well, let's skip that. Let's do. Let's go on a different tack here. When you're thinking about the, um, the box and its application, um, 
I know you're you're doing using it with young people to sort of study how they're you know a- approaching that and how they're using that. Is it sort of an intervention that's going to be useful um, in partnership with a range of other approaches, like you know, in combination with the talk therapy, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, like a multifactorial approach, or yeah. is this also something that benefits people who are not doing anything and can just start with the mindful box? Um, I think both. Definitely we don't advocate that it's, you know, a silver bullet. Um, It's just something that can be super beneficial to, I think, add to your current support system. So definitely using using it, um, you know, alongside a mental health practitioner if you have one to help you personalize um, not only the box, but we also provide people who buy the box a self-care plan. So that's basically a ton more coping strategies um, that are science-based that people can go through and trial and then customize their own plan. Because when we get overwhelmed, um, the parts of our brain responsible for, you know, decision-making and impulse control shut down. So having that list to just know to refer to or a family member to help you go through, and that combines like the box items plus these different other strategies um, to kind of just look out and go, boom, 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 I'm going to do this, 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 that helps to like, reduce our stress and our emotional thermometer and help us to calm down to make those healthier decisions. Um, I don't think I answered your specific question. <laughs> no, I think you did pretty good. Okay. I think that was good. Um, I'm curious about your own approach to self-soothing and, and sort of what you do to take care of yourself, particularly sort of in, you know, pandemic lockdown. It's sort of not, not a particularly enjoyable time for anyone. What are yeah. your kind of top couple of um, habits that have served you well? Yes. So while we are doing this podcast um, over Zoom, I am sitting on my super comfortable couch with my gorgeous little Cavalier King Joss Spaniel Rainey, and she is my ultimate, like number one on my self-soothing list. This dog is just an angel and helps me. I just, I I guess, just focusing on her and um, caring for her really helps me to care more for myself, I think. She helped me a lot last year finishing my master's um, and getting her during that time, you know, just um, waking up, having a routine, having to go and and um, and feed her. And when I'd give her breakfast, I'd make sure I'd eat breakfast and, you know, giving her water and making sure I'd drink water and taking her out for walks and things. So she's, she's definitely been a blessing. Um, what else has been really good for self-soothing? I love to paint. I find painting really therapeutic and to just get lost in a state of flow um, with what you're trying to make. And I think using a technique from dialectical behavioral therapy, so that's um, opposite action. So so I try and do that with painting. So painting something opposite to the emotion that you're feeling so as not to get like stuck into it. So if I'm feeling really sad, I'm not going to paint like tears or or like an ocean because that's probably going to be that emotion. So I will try and paint something like uplifting and have that on my like go-to coping strategy list. Um, and I used to actually have this for piano as well because I play, I used, like I used to play piano a lot, not so much at the moment, but on my coping list um, I'd make sure I wouldn't play sad songs. I'd have, okay, play this song, it's upbeat, like to not feed that sad emotion that's kind of the same with painting um because our emotions can be really sticky and they want us to get stuck on them so um sometimes if um the emotion doesn't fit the facts of a situation it's not helpful for us than doing something um you know an action that's opposite to what 
that emotion would be telling us to do is can be really helpful. I know you come from like a, a studying film background, um, so I, I wonder um, how you how you go with screens and social media and what kind of things do you have in play? Do you, do you consciously think about the effect that social media has on you and try and mediate your time or do you try and stay away from screens or do you sort of let yourself indulge in, uh, in quality film? What's your approach there? Film as in oh, I didn't didn't study film I my first degree was comms majored in advertising but I did major in cinema studies but I wasn't the biggest fan of that um <laughs> sorry my bad <laughs> that's okay but then I I um did positive psychology and my master's in business and entrepreneurship but yeah um screens yeah oh it's a toughie you can't really get very far without technology I wish it were different Um, I definitely see the negative effects of it that it can have on people and even myself but yeah especially with growing um, a new business it's important to be across socials and be engaging regularly with the people who are um, yeah wanting to hear from you as a brand you made an interesting choice um, in the way you've branded. I am mindful um, that if you sort of look at the page overall and you look at the the products, it's very much about the product and the science um, mm. and the effect that it's having in the community. But when I look at that page, I'm not seeing a lot of the the classic uh, entrepreneurship founder kind of uh, story popping out. Uh, was that a conscious choice to sort of make make the science and the product come first and then to tell your story and do more media and that kind of thing after? Yeah, um, well, actually, on socials, I began kind of doing a blog with, I think you, you'll be able to see on, on our Instagram page. Early on, like quite a few years ago, I started posting just free um, tips for mental health, things that were really helping me, um, different coping strategies or um, positive psychological intervention techniques. Um, yeah, and I went with that angle and it was really nice to connect with people, but I suppose through the master's degree as the idea for I am mindful kind of came more to life and became more pointy. Um, I didn't really feel like I wanted to be the focus of it. I felt that this project was bigger than me in a way. And I I didn't, I like, I still feel that it's kind of not me. I just see it helping so many people and I'm just a small part of it, which, um, I just see it as something that can really grow and be big and help a lot of families and young people. And it's also like these are strategies that can be used for, you know, in business. We're getting like corporate workshops and um, like universities now asking for these boxes and and our workshops as well. So, um, yeah, and there's also lots of other people joining in and, I mean, I do, I do talk about my story. Obviously, this is the first time on on a like in a pub, public forum. Um, I talk about it in the hospital when I go in um, to work with the young people. Um, yeah, and I will do it a bit more the more I feel kind of a bit more comfortable to do that. But again, just I think in general, I see this as a project that's that's not really about me. Yeah, it's stemmed from me, but we all have. I I think the problem that I had, obviously, through the research I've had of not knowing how to cope with those really strong emotions is something that so many people have. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's kind of felt, felt like a long winded way. <laughs> no, I, th- I think you nailed it. And I, I think it's just interesting to me because you normally when you hear a bit about 
an entrepreneur's journey. It's very much that kind of hero's journey type of thing and the, the founder at the center and doing all the, the kind of like, you know, it's all about my personality and how it's shaped the brand. I think this is inverted. And I think I actually thought it was really cool to not, you know, see just a smiling face or whatever behind it. Like it, it just makes you run with the science and the product more. So I just thought it was a really interesting approach. Thank you. I also, I, I mean, like I engage at the moment because it's small and we're just kind of getting started. I mean, it's growing quickly, but I um, I manage, like I, have, I wear a number of different hats. Um, there's obviously lots of people that help out, but with socials, I, I manage that. And I try I try and keep the conversations really personal. And I say like, like from Steph or whatever, because I really like chatting to everyone and hearing their stories and how they're finding using the boxes. And I like having that personal element there, but yeah, I'm just one cog in what's going to be a big, big wheel is that like the expression whatever <laughs> <laughs> a, co- a cog in the machine i understand yeah thank you have you seen i mean I, <laughs> I, I think we're at a pretty bad place when it comes to the the health, mental health of our youth um yeah. first of all what have you seen um in your space in terms of both demands for your um, i am mindful products have you seen a huge spike because of covid and lockdown and whatnot and the second part is i mean what is the sort of data and the conversations telling us about where we're at in, in that spectrum yeah it's really concerning um even more of a reason that an initiative like i am mindful is just so timely which honestly is just i don't know i just think it's a huge coincidence that i finished my master's and had this plan and then this pandemic hit um yeah, it's awful uh, and my heart really aches for all the families and young people who are struggling. Um, just some confronting facts. The Victorian Coroner's Court um, recently released statistics that showed eight teenage girls have committed suicide in the first seven months of this year, which is already more than the annual suicide numbers of teenage girls for three of the past four years. Um, I know according to Kids Helpline, there's been a 184% increase in suicidal ideation in Victorian children in six weeks up to March 28, 2021. The number of teenagers hospitalised after self-harming and suffering suicidal thoughts increased by 51%. Um, I have some more for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, please go on. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's frightful but also important. Um, recent data on ambulance attendees um, found that more ambulances were called for women aged 15 to 19 for self-harm, suicidal ideation and suicide attempts than for any other age group. Um, And, yeah, I suppose this is just like young girls are crying out for help. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that this project can help some people feel a bit more empowered and confident to navigate these awful times that we're all going through and everyone's experience is so different um yeah yeah it's it's really um quite staggering and i think um you know it's been called a shadow pandemic by many so we've we've got the pandemic but then some recent data came out saying that um most people are actually more concerned about the lockdown than the pandemic for the first time um which is sort of you know it's it's a scary um place to be how can we go about supporting young young girls in particular better oh well (laughs) yeah if i had the answer to that i'd be you know i don't even know it takes take it's going to take a lot of people in this space to kind of come together and not be isolated in our attempts I think to really help solve this problem obviously where I'm focused on is on the 
distress tolerance side of things and um, trying not to make a situation worse or to damage um, close relationships. Um, that's that's where I'm focused on. So I guess what I can talk to is um, through that lens, getting families to really jump on board and learn um, how to help their young people help themselves and be independent with that and, you know, buy a box, um, you know, look at the self-care plans, um, yeah, really encourage people to get involved. Like, we, we, yeah, we want to make this really accessible for people. So our long-term plan is for it to be something that where cost isn't a, you know, a barrier for this. Mental health shouldn't be something that, like, you have to, you know, be able to afford. Um, so that that's a plan in the, in the long run. But, yeah, I've just been bootstrapping it myself for now. Um, but, yeah, I think that, I mean, the schools are amazing getting on board. We've had really great traction with with the schools adopting I Am Mindful, such as, you know, Lauriston Girls School, Wesley College, Karawa, Star of the Sea, um, Mentone Grammar, like lots of schools really getting on board with I Am Mindful and recognising a need because I think they're seeing this through this lockdown. Um, but getting getting the parents on board is just going to be like the next step because it's all well and good for the schools to be advocating for this, but to really empower the individual, especially when, you know, like think back to when you were that age, mm. you know, and even now as an adult, sometimes we just can't help ourselves and we need the people around us to kind of help push us in the right direction. So having that, you know, that full support um, is important coming from both you know, educators and, and families um, and just, you know, rewiring our neural pathways for, for coping in healthy ways isn't going to happen overnight. It's It's going to take time to learn how to manage that distress in an evidence-based way that's healthy for us. I mean, I think what you're saying about emotional regulation is so important because when I think back to my school days, like none of these words were ever used. Like we didn't have a word that was well-being or mental health or, you know, resilience, distraction, emotional regulation. I, I would almost love to be in school now to get some of the benefit of this, but just sort of had to figure it out more as an adult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hear you. I wish I had have had that and saved myself a ton of like struggles, but I mean, it's helpful now to have that. And that's the point. I don't want to make it really hard for people to spend, you know, years learning psychology at university or hitting rock bottom and ending up in a psychiatric hospital as an inpatient or outpatient to acquire all these like skills that are so, so helpful and life changing. Um, yeah. But I think. Do you think an important part of this, I mean, I ask a lot of people who come on the show who are founders this, but do you think we create solutions for ourselves for when we were younger? And a lot of the time that is kind of end, ends up being a really meaningful product that drives purpose and our own commitment to doing great things? Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, my driving force, I guess, as I said at the at the beginning with studying positive psychology and being a mindfulness teacher and you know all of the research that I've done in my masters, like that's that's been. I guess my my beginning goal was I just wanted to feel happy in myself and to thrive, um, and that's kind of I think what everyone really wants for themselves is to feel like free of suffering, and that was really what drove me. And then I just have this. I guess my family's. I'm really grateful to have you know family that's always brought me up to that has brought me up to like they're very 
they like to help people and like have been really involved in charity work from a young age um like helping my mum with various initiatives so I think for me once I was like this can help me uh then I was like I really want to share this and help other people um and that would you know yeah yeah so I think I think yes definitely (laughs) it was so creating a solution for yeah younger me to um not feel so out of control and lost Feel like I just like became a psychologist asking that question. I realized afterwards that's that's a very psychologisty question to be asking. Yeah. But. And also, I'm sitting in my, <laughs> on my couch and it's yeah. and I lit some candles. <laughs> as well. I feel like we're getting really deep here. Like the, I've like lit the setting. Food. <laughs> it's really vulnerable. Oh my gosh! I love it. I love it. It's so good. Um, tell me, um, <laughs> one bit I wanted to cover is. How important was it for you to start from a place of science and evidence when when developing um, the I Am Mindful products? Because I think a lot of people in this space, instead of, you know, doing the hard work first, the data and the research, they'll develop a product and then they'll kind of bake research and evidence around it. Yeah. No, so important for me. I'm like, I was like, I think that's what took me so long to finally launch I Am Mindful. I wanted to make sure I knew everything about like all the different sites, like all of the different, you know, interventions that I was going to be talking about and I knew firsthand that it would work. I knew I just, yeah, it took years. <laughs> um, it was important because I really wanted to make sure that it was something that would help people and I could feel comfortable and confident talking about that it wasn't just like I'm not doing this to really make money. I mean, everyone's got to have a job and this is what I feel like is my purpose to have this job. Like I've created a job for myself that I wake up every single day and I am so happy. I've never been happier in my life, literally like hearing the stories of people using the box um, and talking to like the young people in the hospitals. It just makes this life feel super worthwhile. Yeah, I yeah. love that. That's very special. So deep. <laughs> Too deep. No, it's wonderful. And so, who are your heroes in the in the positive psychology world? Um, like when when you talk positive psychology, I think about Martin Seligman. Uh, I think a little bit about um, Leah Waters at University of Melbourne, who's been on the podcast before. Um, lots of people, and also what companies, brands, or other um, players in the mental health space do you aspire to? Also. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wouldn't limit it just to positive psychology because the box mm. isn't really made up of only positive psychology. It draws on dialectical behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, lived experience, sensory modulation. Um, I would say, look, Martin Seligman is great. I mean, who doesn't love him? <laughs> <laughs> I met him once. I was super awkward. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Uh, I was like, hi. Will you, will you sign my book? I bought it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I can't remember the conversation. He was so nice and I was just anxious and awkward. Um, but um, Marsha Lynham, so she she created um, dialectical behavioural therapy and she actually had um, borderline personality disorder herself and she created that therapy basically like she created this whole new therapy that she's a psychologist and she created it for herself and now it's helping thousands of other people and the box is pretty heavily based on dbt um it is an amazing amazing therapy uh 
she she's a real hero and I, I just I also really like that she's someone who um, had a personal problem and then wanted to also help people like she wanted to solve it for herself but then help other people as well and yeah I guess going through um, that master's in entrepreneurship that was yeah important for me that I was going to come out of that degree with something that wasn't just me being commercial um that it was going to be meaningful and make me feel good and and there sort of there's a lot of play I feel like in a way the mental health intervention space can be fairly crowded are there other kind of players locally or abroad that you you like or aspire to yeah, wait, I'm going to include Brene Brown because how could I miss her? Yeah, how, how dare you not include Brene Brown? I know. Brown. She's listening to this. <laughs> For sure. One day, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Brene, big fan, big fan. Because um, she talks about vulnerability. So I really like that, leaning into that discomfort and, um, yeah, that, you know, without leaning into it, which is I feel like I'm doing that tonight a lot actually, um, <laughs> that we can't find that 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 meaning and that connection without it um yeah anyway um brands back to what you're saying in the mental health space wow there are just so many doing such great work and I've been really fortunate to connect with a lot of the founders lately and board members uh I can't really be too specific because I don't want to leave anyone out because Uh, that's all right I won't push you too good everyone's doing such a great job in the space and and Honestly, everyone's so kind and generous and I think because we all share the same values of being like authentically driven to create change and help people with their mental health. So, yeah, we're finding and making friends through this project. I was going to say, like, do you have a bit of a community of practice like for, for other founders and people in mental health who are working on interventions? And if so, do you, how do you collaborate? Is it just kind of like pretty informal, people reach out, you reach out, you have conversations virtual coffees whatnot yeah it has really been strange how I've made all these new connections and found all these great new people it's been look it's been a lot of you know I've met with someone they've been like oh we really want you to connect you with this person you know I think you guys would get along really well perhaps you can collaborate and do something together it's been a lot of that so that's been great to have people that want to help my mindful succeed and um and help surround me with those amazing people that you know are smart enough and um kind enough to yeah give me the time um to be able to to do that um that's good you can leave it at that um do you have other um products in the works or things that you're kind of kind of developing Yes, we do. We have lots of big plans. You should definitely stay tuned. Um, um, yeah, we're all, everyone involved is really hoping that this is going to blow up and help like so many families across the country. And yeah, I'll keep some, some yeah, I'll keep some mystery. Nice, nice. Well, I, I want to ask you, how can people connect with you and learn more about your work? Um, yes, I'm super open to anyone reaching out. I love meeting new people, like-minded people in the space and even not in the space, just other kind people. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Stephanie Silva. And if you want to learn more about I Am Mindful, we have an Instagram page with um, lots of free tips and tricks for um, you know coping with distress and also just boosting well-being in general. That's um, at i.am. 
m.mindful underscore. Um, and our website is www.immindfulco.com.au. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Hang on for a minute. We'll stop the recording and we'll have a bit of a debrief. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.